you wanted to talk about was like the yeah, yeah. just start on that then yeah so like for this week's project we're going off on uh the gist of it is just like professionalism and warrior ethos um there's even like profession of arms in there which i think is just being professional being a part of a team so um you know the the project really asks for uh an event during someone's career where they really embodied uh, warrior ethos and basically being a professional in the profession of arms. So that's why I, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about right. and see about. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, um, what kind of, all right. So I figured we'd do things a little different this time. We'll, I'll answer their questions. And then if you guys have any questions, kind of be a, Q&A, and then we can discuss the ending of the book, uh, anything with Alan Phillips about his book, if you guys want, or any other questions, training, Air Force-related, or leadership, or a book, or, you know, your favorite ranch dressing, I don't know, whatever, just whatever everybody wants to go over, and then, um, so it'll be nice and easy, and then we'll um, say goodnight, ta-da. <laughs> So you want a, a significant event. Yeah. The two events that I thought of really were like the when you got injured in the pipeline. Mm -hmm. You had to like bounce back. Um, you okay. know, and get back and take that the test again. Remember when you ran yeah. three miles after aqua jogging and stuff? So oh. that was like, I thought of where ethos and then, you know, being a professional. So you had to be a part of that team. Okay. Get that instructor to help you out. Um, or like the Katrina event, you know, just that whole event. Like when you pointed to that one yeah, yeah. And told him, hey, do you want to get out of here? Then help me. Let's, you know. Right. So those two events kind of came to mind, but I'm sure you have. No, 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 those are work, those are work good, actually. So, and the the reason I asked him is like, all right, so I get emails all the time. How do I be a PJ? What do I need to do? And it's just so, I'm like, where do I start? You know, so he's like, give me one event in your career that was, I mean, 90 million things popped in my head. So what the reason I was asking for him is because if you narrow it down for me on like, what's your favorite this, like on a particular thing or, or a certain kind of style? Can you guys hear me or are we too loud, too low? We're good? All right. Um, so I'm glad I asked. All right, so he wants to know about my in-doc experience. All right. So to train for in-doc, I came here, I wrote, I sold my bike, I sold my car so the only thing I had was a bicycle for the last six months. I rode my bike everywhere. I swam every day that I could. I surfed every day that I could. Uh, I lifted weights with my buddy every day that I could. Like, it just, I didn't know what to expect, right? You guys now have Jason. You've got me. you got Silva. So you have a whole lot more better ideas of what to train for. So you can kind of, and you know how to gauge yourself on, all right, what's graduation standards? Where am I at? How am I? Versus... I met a PJ once, all I knew about was the past test, and nobody could tell me anything other than that. You know, like, because if you look at the past test, you're like, oh, it's got to be easy. It's only a mile and a half run? Oh, you know, you don't know that you're going to be running 10 miles by the end of it, going, oh. So um, I got through basic, got onto my first in-doc team. It was in uh, November, December. In December, I was not doing very well. I had um, sinusitis. Uh, I've always had bad ankles, so they were kind of like rough. And, but 
I was eating right, sleeping as much as I could, taking care of my body, resting, uh, hanging out with my godfather on the weekend, just relaxing, trying to, you know, get out of the red and just work hard, play hard. But there was no playing because my working was so hard that my weekends were just going to church, praying and stretching and just like floating in the water and, and hoping to get better and stay healthy. Uh, went home for Christmas. We came back, hopped back on. We, uh, there was a thing called bobbing with tanks. And they used to put 40 pounds of lead in a tank. And then you would have to jump off the bottom of the pool with it. Uh, I'm not the tallest individual. I was having trouble getting up to the top. And so I, after uh, two weeks, I had three quit by actions. So a uh, quit by action is the person like refuses to go or fails to do the event. So the reason I believe that I can tread so well is because I couldn't bob, but I could tread. So I would be treading with just my feet and my hands would be up with the 40 pounds of lead. So I figured at least I'm showing them that I'm, I, when, in their eyes I was quitting, but in my eyes I was staying out in the water and I was trying. But they're like, eh. So on the Thursday of the sixth week, they pulled me from my third quit by action and I'm in line with eight other dudes, and one of them is uh, Ivan Ruiz. You guys know Ivan Ruiz? Who's Ivan Ruiz? Master Ivan Ruiz. Yeah. We were, uh, the the story they did, and they did a story on him in class. Uh, he did the big. Remember Master Ivan Ruiz? Um, so Ivan Ruiz is an Air Force Cross recipient, who's a very good friend of mine, but who on that day was sent to go be attack P. They're like, nah. They didn't see him. He failed uh, sit-ups, so they sent him to be attack Pete. He comes back later. He's actually our sit-up champion, and now he's a chief, But because um, he wasn't ever going to let anything like that defeat him again. So on the day that an Air Force Cross recipient doesn't get a setback, I, out of eight dudes, they let me stay. And, and they don't know why, and they told me that I wasn't going to make it anyway, but, you know, like, whatever, Ronnie, we'll let you try it. So... Um, I get back on the next team, and, whew, all right, so I won't get into everything, but I end up, the last day of the, of the ninth week must pass final eval, I've got a broken ankle, I've got pneumonia, and I'm pretty jacked up, so I pass the run, you have uh, 42.30 to do a six mile run, I did it in 42.29, uh, I only got 11 pull-ups, my push-ups were 80, my sit-ups were 74, 75, and then my swim, I made it in 72, 72 minutes, roughly, and, but I failed the, the pull-ups because I couldn't, my, my ankles were trashed, and so they gave me another setback, gave me two weeks, I got back on the next team, went all the way through, graduated, was taking 4,000 milligrams of Motrin a day, just like whatever I could do to get through, and I didn't do anything. I like I ran to the event, and then I stopped and stood on my good leg. I swam. I st like everything was the least amount of um, energy that I needed. I needed to give you know Olympic level, but I knew I needed to conserve myself. And so back then, you were allowed to miss. You could miss one run, one cow, or one swim. And um, we were getting ready to go do grass and gorillas. And if anyone's ever done that, it's uh, kind of like football drills, but with your uh, boots and pants on. It's a lot of fun. It sucks. <laughs> but so 
I knew that my ankle wasn't going to be able to take it, so I missed that one event, and, like, I felt guilty. You know, I was like, oh, I let my team down. I didn't go. But at the same time, I knew that if I had to have gone to Grass and Gorillas with the jumping and the gymnastics stuff, that my ankle wouldn't have took it. So I went to sick call and uh, had the hour off, you know. But they – so they teach you, like, how to do that. Like, yeah, all right, you use this. This is your – it's like in buddy breathing. All right, so in buddy breathing, you can actually pop once, excuse me, and get a breath. You have to only take one breath, though. So say I, I pop, and then I blow out, and then I, and I take that second, that second breath, I just failed. Versus if I was to just, and then put my head down, it would be the same as, now the next time the snorkel comes to me, I'm not going to get a breath, but... It's, if you know the parameters, you know, like, what are the rules that are going on in either the war you're fighting, or how to get rank, or how to be, like, the best airman in the room, like, all those things, there's, there's parameters, and what do you need to do? Do I need to stay up a little bit longer and read, or do I need to listen to, uh, they used to have this thing called PFE Gold, which was how you could test for the, the, the test so you can make rank, and so people would just play a PFE gold, and it would teach them all the uh, regulations or how to talk to people, or basically a, a refresher on ALS. Yeah. And so are you the one who's staying home at night and studying, or are you the guy who's going to college, taking extra classes? You know, anything you do to better yourself is better in the Air Force. So you have to know, all right, do I need to take a knee, or am I good? And so in your career... Eyes open, ears open, ready for anything, what's coming your way, and being prepared will, will help you out. Like we were talking last week, you know, if, if you have a problem and you're worried about it, all right, what is your problem? Okay, what do I do to prevent my problem from happening? What do I do once my problem has happened? Then I don't have to worry about it anymore because I've already figured out how I'm going to prevent it or what I'm going to do once it happens. So um, I pass my third time. I go to dive school, and dive school is awesome. Have a good time, but I am like, my ankle is wrapped so tight, and I'm taking all this Motrin that on the final must-pass 2,000-meter night dive, Motrin runs out, doesn't work anymore, and I fin 2,000 meters with one foot, and I get within 50 yards of shore when I run out of time, and I fail because I hadn't reached, but I'm... I'm this close. I mean, I'm right there. So they send me home, and they, they take a, an x-ray, and they're like, well, your ankle's broke. They're like, when did that happen? And it happened probably three months before, but I couldn't let anybody know of it. So I was like, oh, it just happened right now. So they go, okay. So they put me on a two-month waiver, and they're like, all right, you can't do anything for two months. Just sit here and re recover. And they're like, the day you get off your waiver – we're giving you a, an AFSOC, which is three miles, and then the, all the cows, and then a 1,500-meter swim, and you better pass, and when you fail, we're going to throw you out. And I'm like, who yeah, Sergeant? And so uh, Dominic was referring to Chief Olney and Master Sergeant Mahoney uh, took pity on me and helped me out and took me to the pool and had me aqua jog. And an aqua jog is a floaty thing that wraps around your waist, and then you run in the pool. And you run in the deep end, 
sweats pouring and I'm just like, I've never sweat in a pool before. This is horrible, right? But the day after I got off my, my waiver and I had to take my PT test, I made my three-mile run in 2030. And the only cardio I did was running in that pool. So if, if you're hurt, modify it. If, if you're short, modify it. If you're too tall, modify it. Whatever you have to do to make it work, to figure out how do you learn, how do you operate best, you know, is it best for me to, you know, I'm tired, I'm just going to take a nap, quick little 20, 40 minute, wake up, boom, hit it back up, or am I like, oh my God, dude, I'm so done, I, you know, am I not stretching right, am I not eating right, am I not working out right, am I not using good technique and form, you know, am I... Uh, uh, you see those dudes at the gym and you're just like, no, dude, less weight or, you know, or, or people with those kipping push-up, pull-ups, kipping pull-ups are like the worst, well, horrible for your shoulders, but they're also just not, they're not good. <laughs> so, um, so I think just professionalism is taking care of yourself, take care of the mission, and then, you know, making sure that your word is good. If you say, yes, sir, I will do this, or yes, ma'am, I will do this, the Air Force or military is expecting you to, you know, you said, I will protect and defend, so up to and including death, um, so you don't have a choice, which I think is also kind of freeing, because if I don't have to worry about me and I only have to worry about everybody else, it's a little bit easier, so maybe I'm a little less scared. Uh, I have a buddy who doesn't like heights, but to be a PJ, he overcame them because he said somewhere out there is someone like my brother, and my brother needs my help, and so I can't let my brother down, so I have to pass, so I can't be afraid of heights. So I always thought that was pretty cool. So writing down a lot of notes. Yeah, that's no, no, good. good. A lot of good info. So, like, you know, your actions, just hard work, behavior is, um, I don't know how you would describe it, just like a very dedicated like you need to just be on it yes but no No. all right well all right so um and this this comes from chief ruiz he says you need to hire a a lazy person to do the job because a lazy person will figure out the quickest way to do it and then get back to doing whatever they were doing right so yes monday through friday eight to five or 24 hours a day or whatever your work schedule is you are in it you are submerged in it you are dedicated this is they're paying me to get a tan to work out and to do this job so i'm going to do the best that i can um but it's five o'clock it's time to go home don't stay in the office and be like well i'm staying in the office and look i'm such a good no those are the worst people go home spend time with your family Get, get the rest that you need because you cannot be a race car in the red at all times. You have to learn to turn it off. You have to learn to relax. And I know that that sounds really hard. Like you guys are like, well, it, it is a very hard thing. It is hard getting out of your head. It is hard not worrying about, did I leave the stove on? Am I loving my wife right? Am I that? Like all those things are going through your, you're like, are you doing enough? Did I do enough? And go, I did my best. Okay, maybe I could have done this a little bit better. Okay, I'm going to bed. Bam, go to bed. Wake up tomorrow. Wash, rinse, repeat. Do it again, and but do it better, right? Every day, try to be just a little bit better. Are you what, Christian? 
That sounds like the opposite of John Boyd. Yes. <laughs> Which, it, a lot of things are... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're just... There are to you that is like all right. So um, Boyd, the world's you guys ever seen this book? Uh, no. Nope. So this guy's like the Sun Tzu of air power. Um, did so many things for the Air Force. You guys ever heard of the Ood Loop? Yeah. Nope. All right, we'll talk about that later. Um, he made all these things: the F sixteen, the F fifteen, the F seventeen, the first Gulf War, like all this stuff. Um, but he he had a horrible family life, like didn't even pay attention to his family. So a lot of the book we've been discussing, like how to balance and and how not to be. He didn't care about other people's family because he called them in the middle of the night and stuff like that. So he didn't care about anything else besides the job. Yeah. Like Proust showed, he pointed at people and said, "You're terrible." <laughs> well, but sometimes we some of that we needed. You know, and I'm not, I'm not protecting or, you know, saying it, it's, nobody's perfect. From Martin Luther King Jr. to JFK to, like, they've got dirt on everybody. And if you, you know, and this is why, I, like, I'm really big on the, like, judge not lest ye be judged. Because I don't want anyone judging me. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that I've done wrong in my life that people are like, I don't know about that guy. But... You know, I, I've, I've done my best and maybe I only made that mistake once. You know, I tried not to hurt as many people as possible. But in life, you know, it just, it happens. So you, you say you're sorry and do your best and, you know, don't do it again. And I, I think that's the, the only thing you can do because everybody makes mistakes. Now, there are bigger mistakes, you know, so I'm not like, you know, that either. But I try not to make those mistakes. Uh, I, I think you guys might have heard me say, I don't do anything that would get me in jail for more than a day, right? So maybe I speed, and I might get some parking tickets, but nobody's put me in jail for anything like that. Like, anything else above that? It's like, nope. You know, it's just not worth it. I like freedom. So, same kind of thing in the military. You find your little niche. You give them 100% or everything you can during the day, but as soon as you're done, go home Take care of your family, take care of yourself, relax, talk to each other. Um, you guys will will find this, and maybe you guys see this in the Air Force already. Nobody wants to talk about, like, the bad stuff, yeah. you know. Uh, when when I got diagnosed with PTSD and the doctor came and told my, my boss, everybody was like, we don't talk about that stuff, you know. And I'm like, well, I hate to be the one that brought it up. I, I didn't mean to. But it, it just this you sent me to, to mental health with an LOR because he said something was wrong with me. So him sending me to mental health actually was a really good thing. Um, Nick McCaskill just died two weeks before, and I was on a drinking binge and just was like, I just didn't want to feel anything. It was real just painful. So he helped me. You know, that's I needed to go talk to somebody. And after talking to the doctor, it's like, oh, yeah, obviously you have problems. <laughs> and I was like... Oh, but it was kind of good because I didn't think there's anything wrong with me. I just thought it was me. I didn't know. I didn't realize all this stuff that was going on, you know, and it wasn't like suicidal or I just was like sad. My best friend had been blown up and there wasn't much I could do. So I was just like in pain, but I didn't know, you know, we don't talk to people. We don't talk about it. So 
that sets the ball rolling for me to meet Shanda eventually to where I find someone that I can open up with and talk and share. And, you know, whether you're, you're married or your best friend or your buddy or whatever, you need that teamwork of like, hey, I'm having a bad day. Can, can I talk to you? Yeah, what do you got? <sighs> and then you feel better. And then you have someone that you can share. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's an uncle. Maybe it's whatever. But find somebody that, you know, that you can connect with and share with and, and drop those uh, defenses because getting able to drop the defenses and not have to be worried about everything is is kind of half the battle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like just the idea because now I'm like counseling to me is like I just go in there and complain about whatever I want to complain about for an hour. And I'm just like, blah, 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 you know, and it just it's nice to just let it go versus like I used to, you know, with the, I, the first year, she's like, what are you feeling? I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, what, what is that in a word? And I'm like, I don't know, but I feel, Arr. and the, the way that I figured out there was something wrong was the boys were doing the same thing. They were like six and four and they were just like angry and just, but none of us spoke in words. We all spoke in, and I watched them, and I was like, oh, man, <laughs> we got a problem. Because, <laughs> you know, if, it's one thing if it's just me, but if they're, you know, they don't know how to communicate, too. So all three of us had anger issues. So it was, um, you got to recognize what's going on and be able to, you know, take those hard questions and answers and look yourself in the mirror and say, ah, we need help. You know, and the hardest thing to do is to ask for help, but the best thing you can do is ask for help. You know, and ask for help. There's, I mean, like I said earlier, how do I be a PJ? Okay, you're asking me for help, but you're asking me for way too many things. So you got to give me, how do I run better? Or how do I swim better? Or how do I speak better? Something like that. Well, don't ask me how to speak better. Well, ask somebody else. But the other things I can handle. <laughs> but it's just... Make yourself better, make other people better, work hard, and that hard work, and always being prepared, you know, you, you always need a knife with you, because you never know when you, ne- not to stab somebody, but you need a tool, right? You you always have a pen and paper with you, because there might be some, no, oh, shoot, dude, that's great, you know? I still have Shaquid's note from last week, you know? I mean, you... Have things that are important that you know that you need, you know, water, sleep, good people. And, and if you've always got, you know, your kind of bag is ready to go and, you know, you're, you're kind of a prepper, but you're not, you know, because prepping's too far. But being a good Cub Scout or a good Girl Scout and always being prepared, because that's the motto of the Scouts, to me is like, boom, well, I'm always ready. I'm not worried because I'm prepared. I'm ready for the ball to bounce whatever way it's going to go. So, that's professionalism. There you go. Ta-da. I like it. So, was there more to that question? Just, what would you say is a specific decision maybe that, I don't know. A specific decision. That contributed to this, that event of passing and getting through? Was it just the decision to... Every single day you wake up, right? Either you're a lion chasing a gazelle or you're a gazelle being chased by a lion. When you wake up in the morning, 
you have to decide what you are, right? And hopefully the answer should be everybody's a lion. <laughs> Not necessarily that we're going to go kill something, but that you are prepared to do what you need to do. And if, if you, as you become parents, uh, I would never get in the way of a mother and her child, right? Uh, or a father and a child. I'm just saying, like, you don't get in the way of anybody and their children because you don't get in the way of me and my children. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to attack anybody, but once again, you, you, it's not about me living, it's about them living. And, and as a parent, it's not about you. You had kids, so the kids are more important than you, so therefore the children should always be what you do. And that's how we ended up in Texas. And so by always doing the right thing, life is a happy battle. You wake up, you have to want to be happy, so therefore you are happy. And even if you are a little unhappy... You're like looking for some silver lining. And, and I was talking about this the other day. Like it's a constant kind of struggle even at like my age. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm just happy. No, like some days I'm going to be like, hmm. All right, I'll breathe a little bit more. Excuse me. Or I'll make sure I go to the gym, do some underwaters. Or I make sure I sit down and read a book. Or I go outside, or I say, hey, Shanda, can we talk? You know, I whatever you got to do, you need to know what do you need to keep your F-16 flying in the air. You know, you need oil, you need gas, you need your electrical system to be working. What What is your uh, weapon system? What gets you going? Always doing the right thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. And if you always do the right thing... It'll always work out in the end. Um, I've had four Article 15s. I beat every single one of them because even though it looked very bad, once I explained to the OSI agent, they were like, you're an idiot. All right, here, sign that. You know? But they, but they knew. And, and my lawyers are always like, do not talk. I'm like, no, I will talk because I got nothing to hide. I'm not worried. You know, I will tell you, this is what I did. You know? And if I was wrong... Hey, then I'm wrong. I'll pay the price. But I, I'm always honest. And, and you have to be in the Air Force, and they'll understand that and see that. And, you know, so, for, so I don't go grope anybody, so I don't have to be honest. You're like, do you grope people? No, I don't grope people. Why? Because I don't do it, so I don't have to worry about it. So we're all good, right? So once again, it's one of those things. You just don't do something that's going to get you in trouble, and you're good. <laughs> <laughs> and follow the checklist the Air Force has a checklist for everything and if you follow the checklist even if it, the, the aircraft blows up I followed the checklist it said they will not be able to touch you or do anything to you at all so if you always do the right thing follow the checklist life will be good what else? That was, that was it. You sure? Yeah. Well, you want me? You want me to cover on the the guy that I from New Orleans? Because I think that's a pretty good. All right. Anybody read the book Near Misses? All right. So it's about all these tragedies in life and how people either reacted to them or didn't react to them. All right. So they they use uh, the Lusitania. 
and the main. No, no, the Lusitanus uh, and uh, the Titanic. Mm. And, all right, so both the same size ships, uh, both same kind of thing, being sunk. What happens? So the, uh, the Titanic sank in three hours. More people survived. Uh, there were some other reasons that people didn't survive, but mainly stupidity, but we'll just go off. Everybody was calm, rational. There was a band playing. Who knows, all right? The Lusitania went down in 30 minutes. It was everybody for themselves, and everybody died. So what they show is the first 30 minutes of a catastrophe, it is everybody for themselves. Adrenaline is going. Society is out the door. It's like, ah, right? George Costanza, out of my way, going for the fire escape. After a half hour, your, um, your adrenaline wears off, and you're now able to start communicating again and start understanding. And so you have to maintain control of yourself at all times, and you're the only thing that can control yourself, and it's the only thing you can control. Just keep breathing, right? You find you're stressed out, freaking out. Am I breathing? What's my pulse rate at? Oh, my pulse rate is room. All right. Breathe in, breathe out, relax, get myself mellow. Um, hey, give him all the drum stuff. All of it? Ask him if he wants to hang out it. Um, so, I think it was about four days into Katrina. We're picking up people everywhere. And there was this uh, kind of a hill. And there uh, was a school playground. And there was easily 500 people in this playground. Just all massive humanity. They lowered me down. And the crowd just <laughs> is on me. All right, Earlier that day, or possibly the night before, they had said, we want you guys to carry guns. And I said, I'm not shooting an American who just survived a storm. I'll be fine. And so they were like, ah, blah, blah. so I wouldn't carry a gun. I'm surrounded by all these people. Uh, some of the other guys on the plane did have guns. And I could hear them on the radio. They're like, he's going to get killed. And I'm like, I'm fine. Just relax. So I'm like, whoa, everybody relax. All right. And this big dude is like, I want out of here. And I, I looked at him. You know, he was taller than me. And I was like, are you a man? And he said, yeah. I said, help me get the old people, the women, the children. Help me get everybody out of here, and I'll get you out of here. And he, okay. And he started triaging everybody. Put all the old people first, the families, and had everybody lined up. And when we came back for the next three hours, he, he gave us people and took care of everybody. Right? He was scared. He was worried. He didn't know what was going on. You, call 911. You, right? I gave him something to do. He couldn't worry about himself anymore because he had to worry about other people. And this goes back to what I'm talking about. Like, you're having a bad day. You have to self-soothe. You have to self-talk into, ah, it's not that bad. It could have been worse. Blah, blah, blah. Like, whatever it takes. I'm still alive. Okay, turn on the radio. Find, like, Lean On Me or some happy song, you know? And you're like, yeah, you know, and, and drive to work or whatever you're going, actively thinking happy thoughts and eventually 
it will become a happy thought and you won't be all mad or sad or bothered. You know, or if it's something bigger than that, I need to go to a sensory deprivation tank and take a nap. I need to go for a swim. I need to go for a bike ride. I need to go for a canoe paddle. Whatever you do that helps you get through the day and or keeps you, you know, relaxed, you should do. That's good. It's kind of the same action action decision and behavior as that last story too. Yeah. Calm for behavior, you know, you, you have a job to do but you're also calm. You get it done, you relax. You made that decision, like wake up, be a lion, right? You directed him. Um and then your action was working hard. You gave him a word and you stuck to that word. Hey, you want to get out of here? We'll get out of here. We'll do it. And then you got him out of there, like you said. You're going to stay true to the word. It's good. And I, all right, so being a PJ, all right, war, death, all that stuff, I figured when I retired that the rest of my life would be cake and easy and like no worries. It only gets worse, especially as being a parent. I believe that Pararescue prepared me. For all the parenting bullshit that comes your way, like parent-teacher conferences and like somebody ate all the crayons and are they going to die, like all that stuff. You're like, are they still breathing? All right, we're good, you know? And you just keep on going. <laughs> okay, so my, with the story that you just told about giving the man a job, when my son has had meltdowns, there were a couple of times ago when... I, that story popped into my head, and I stopped with my son, and I said, okay, I'm going to give you a job to do. And Aww. all of a sudden, his, his shift focused from total meltdown about whatever was going on to he had a job to do. And it just changed the whole situation. So, thank you. Give a person a purpose, and they cannot be defeated. Right? Now, the key is finding... A purpose that they care about enough to not be defeated on, but I like that you've got something because I still haven't found. I'm like, what about this? Nah. <laughs> what about nah? Nah. I'm like, <laughs> you know. But that's always been a problem for me. Is like sometimes to to care about what other people care about, and you're like, I don't care about that, you know. And the Air Force comes up with some crazy, you know, like. Your hair can't be here, like, and it's like that doesn't matter, but but it does, but it doesn't, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But to somebody, it does. So if if they're in charge, then it matters to you. <laughs> That's what else, or is that that answers all the questions? That answers it all. Good. Really? Yeah. Pretty simple. Who are you doing your who are you doing me on? I'm doing a, a technical sergeant in my that oh. I work with. Okay. My she was an acting like chief for a little bit, so. Do you get good? Can you hear you? Oh. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm doing mine on a technical sergeant who was a flight chief for me for a little while. Awesome. Yeah. Um, she's actually in the army for most of her time. She's only been active duty since 2018, so. Nice. Yeah. Garden reserve, happier people, go that way. <laughs> let's see what L um, okay so if we've covered their end of the portion uh, anybody got any questions or Connor how's it going bro um, anybody want to cover the book Joanna we haven't 
heard from you about the book in a while. So, I mean, you want to give us your condemnation of uh, John Boyd again? <laughs> is the worst that they can do to you? I'm still probationary, so they can still fire me, but... Wait, but... but probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Now, I mean, you're, you're showing up drunk to work, you're like, yeah, okay, that stuff will get you fired, but these, these guys actually want you to tell them the truth. They want as much knowledge as possible so they can make the best decisions as possible, and if you're telling them that it's not possible or we're over budget or this is wrong or, you know, you've got it wrong, they might be angry and they might, you know, blah, at you. But in the long run, that's what they need and want from you. And they're just dudes like, uh, I mean, like, I'm sorry, I, as a senior airman, I was briefing prime ministers of countries, colonels and generals, and I was just like, whatever, I gave the 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 two star general my camera so he could take a picture of me and the prime minister of Mozambique and they're like who the fuck is this guy and I'm just like what's up thank you and walked away 
right? And and I'll, I was a senior airman. What could they do to me? Right? The, no, there's nothing these people can do to you. And the quicker that we all figure that out, and I mean, yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. If you're always polite, there's nothing they can do to you. Like absolutely nothing. And and so I I, I want you especially. Do not be afraid, like because you walk with the truth. You know what you're doing. You're 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 not gonna go like haphazard. You're not gonna try something wazoo. I I believe you are probably the most sanest organized person in the book club, which isn't saying much. But but, <laughs> but I have faith in you, and I I th- I like anything that you're in charge of. I'm for sure that it works out and goes well. Yeah, you've got a great point. There's delivery is a large part part of it. Figuring out how to get it across to people so that you know, you're polite, you're humble, and that's that's something that a point that I really keep taking from you, Mike, is working on my humility, and that's going a long way in helping me at work. Mm-hmm. Joanna, if Thanks, you, aw, Joanna, if you want to do hi, if you want to do some uh, some coaching offline, email me. Okay, awesome. Oh. Thank you. You bet. Anything else on the book or anything, questions? I think that's pretty much it. All right. Good to see you guys. Very nice to see you. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot on the book, but I did write down a whole bunch of training questions. All right, hit me. He's bringing you an example. in, you have your, your strap where you want, and you put one, two times around it of one inch electrical tape, right? To hold it in place. And that's go like over top the metal keeper? It goes right next to it, so it holds it tight. Okay, yep. Alright, and then you got your name, right? And usually tape will only last like a week or two. So, pretty much every Saturday, Sunday, you're retaping your equipment. Okay. Mine came off after the uh, first time I did it, so I must have just done it too loosely. But. Or, or you had shitty tape, or the water... Uh, Chris, uh, Christian's showing right now. Oh. Can you show me the side again? Sorry, I missed it. He didn't tape it. Oh, okay. I didn't tape it. Because I found out that I all I need to do is put it at the proper size. For instance, on my mask, yeah. I put it on notch number eight. 
And if you properly size a mask, it should have a good seal around the mask. If it's too loose, then it will pop out. Yours might not have numbers, but... Mine does. I have the ATAC one like you, so... Yes. <laughs> yes. So if you tighten it properly, it should not pop out while you're putting it on and off, because it'll hold it in place. But I think what he's talking about is right in the middle, keepers. You need to put... You said electrical tape, right? No. Surgical tape. Surgical. Like the, the... That's not the normal kind that you just buy at the, the store for, like, ace bandage. Yes. really sticky stuff. It, well, right, right. Well, you want the really sticky stuff, but they sell it at Walgreens or... Yeah, that stuff. Yes. This stuff. This is like... This is called ProGuard. This stuff is legitly sticky. Like, I use this when I break my toe. And stuff like that. Like, it's... But, uh, Christian, so... When, when you get to the schoolhouse, they will make you um, tape them. So, save money now, whatever, but... Get used to, you will have to do it eventually. That's why I put my name at the top, so I can get used to having less vision-wise. Mm -hmm. I went ahead and did that, because I don't think the sides are all that big of a difference when you're actually wearing it. But the top, that kind of made stuff kind of more claustrophobic, I guess would be the word. I don't know. Really? It was just less visualization. Mm -hmm. Helps you focus, though. Like, that would actually help me. Well, it helps you figure out which side's up, too. That's true. Instead of grabbing the nose piece and putting it on your head. Mm -hmm. But don't forget to check your strap twice, bro, when coming up. If you check it right the first time, you never have to check it twice. Oh, man, he's putting wisdom right there. <laughs> Checking it right the first time. <laughs> That's asking a lot for me. <laughs> so you don't have to do it six other times? Mm -hmm. What do you got, Gavin? <laughs> I know. Uh, and this... Uh, Christian made me wonder about it, but uh, as far as like hell days go with Jason Sweet, how do those compare to like Indoc or ANS or that kind of stuff? I'm I'm glad that you asked that question. It's actually just a regular day. Okay. So it's it's, but it's a regular day every day for ten weeks. Right. So it's not too bad the the one day. Well, like, all right, so say we used to do the uh, extended training day, the 23 hours, right? So we do that, get off at like 3 o'clock in the morning, let the students go, say, okay, you got to be back at 6.30 for the regular day, and they're like, oh. And dudes would quit on the second day. They, they made it all the way through hell day, and then they'll quit the next day because they're so tired. And it's like, you have to be able to go. That's what ranger school is. It just keeps you going. So that way, when you're so tired, you're hallucinating, you don't know anything, you can't, you're just like, and you're still able to perform the mission. The only reason that we don't do something, it, what? Something about Jason's hell day is that the hell day was not the most difficult thing I've ever done. Like, I mean, sure, the workouts were hard, but that's what they were. There were multiple workouts throughout the day. Like, for me, I worked out three times a day as it is. So it wasn't all that difficult for me to adapt to it. It was just that for the team mentality, that's why I went, was to be a team person. Because I've never done any team sports. I've never done anything that had to do with 
a team. I've done family things, but not a team mentality, not having an instructor there. That's why I did it. That's what I was trying to learn is how to work with a team. Well, the days aren't that really difficult. I mean, everything you do is something that you should already be doing in your training. So I, I like Jason's uh, hell days for the teamwork aspect. And I like them for the gauges that if you are doing what you're supposed to do, then you're right. They're not that hard. Dude, I've been to his hell days, though, where, oh, my God. Like, I I was disgusted with how bad people were. And you're just like, and you want to join when? Oh, I'm thinking about leaving in a month or two. <laughs> oh, dude, you need, like, a year or two, you know? Um, and it's not and, – and people bring this up. They're like, Anyone who shows up, at least they're trying. So, you know, like, and I'm like, okay, I, yes, I'll give you, at least they're trying. But to be a PJ, to be a controller, to be a SEAL, to be whatever, you need to be more than just showing up and trying. Like, we need your A-plus game at all times. And yeah. so knowing that you have to get up to that level... You need to do more work. You need to care more, and you need to train more. But something you also got to remember is that, like, some of these guys come here to just keep themselves accountable. They're in the middle of doing college or high school or something, and this is just a test that they do every four, five, or once a year to just keep themselves in mind of what they're really training for, really. And and they're not really training. They're not going to ever go. They're going to keep talking about it in nine years from now. They'll keep showing up to Hell Days, and they're just tourists. There are a lot of fucking yeah. tourists out there. These dudes just want to, I'm training. We train. I'm going to be a PJ someday. Don't tell somebody what you're training for. Just say, I'm joining the Air Force. Your, your ego wants you to tell them. There was about six guys that were training for Navy SEAL that went to this Hell Day, and they all got part of the one boat crew, and they were... They were beat by these Green Berets. I'm like, give me a reason why you want to be a Navy SEAL. And none of them had a good answer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you made a variety of people, but I was, I was pretty thankful that we did have a pretty strong class, that we did have a lot of good guys there that have already been to three hell, one hell day. And I've been to some training events that Jason has put on, like, for instance... He came uh, through Georgia, and he said, hey, I'm driving through Georgia. Does anybody want to meet up and do lock PT? I was like, I'll do it. And we had four other guys that said they'll do it. And then two other guys that were a friend of a guy showed up. And so we all did lock PT together. That was harder than what we did during Hell Day was that lock PT because we had to work as a team from guys that know nothing about each other. This is the first time they've ever been on a lock. So that was harder than what was actually being done on Hell Day. Because all the guys at Hell Day already knew how to use the log. That helps. What else, Gavin? Uh, So uh, I was at the pool and I ran into some Navy guys. Uh, One was uh, training for SEAL, one was training for SWIC. And they kind of left, well, they wanted to, uh, they're really pushing me to learn about this combat side stroke. And I know what it is. I've seen it done. I really don't know how to do it. And they they were, like, appalled that I didn't think I had to know it. I was just making sure, like, 
obviously it's not required for the pass test, but is it something worth learning before I leave? I see Christian shaking his head. But. So we do the combat recovery stroke. And the Navy does the combat side stroke. Dude, I can't do the combat side stroke either. It's like rubbing your belly and patting your head. It makes no sense to me. I have never been able to figure it out. But uh, the uh, the combat... All right, so the combat recovery stroke is you're swimming like this, right? One, two. When this hand comes down, that's how I breathe. And then I bring my arms back up. One, two. Right? And then, so really, you should be working on your free, your thinning and your freestyle. Really, I mean, no, Christian, who put you in charge? You never. I'm telling. Learn every single swimming stroke you can. All swimming strokes matter because everything is going to help you get through that pool. But you don't need the side stroke because we do the recovery stroke. Okay. And and that's the way you swim in open water. Is you swim combat recovery stroke with your buddy next to him. And uh, in gear. So is that really an ENS thing, or is that just dive school? It's everything. Okay. Because you want to be able to get through the water the best way you can. And doggy stroke isn't going to be that. The best way you can is um, finning either lead arm, trailing arm, or the combat recovery stroke. And you can, I think I have a couple videos of it on YouTube so look for that, and then when you come train with us, we'll make sure that you know all the strokes. All strokes cool. matter. Um, and then this is kind of, I don't know, more of an open question, but I'm just curious, like, how, you know, and this isn't just for Mike, but kind of just everyone, how you avoid comparing yourself to, like, the average or the average American... <laughs> like, I get up and I go to the, you know I get up at four thirty, go to the pool at five, you know, leave and get to school at seven, and like I do so much stuff in my day, and I feel like kind of on top of the world. And then, you know, later on when I have to do like a second workout later on in the day, I feel like, well, look at all these people. You know, all they did was get up and they were late to school, and you know they're all lazy. They never work out, and sometimes, you know, it's. It kind of drags me down, and I compare myself to them, and they are certainly not the standard. And I was just curious what you guys do to kind of cope with that. He's comparing himself to people that are lazy. Well, are are you? Do you feel bad for them, or do you feel disdain for them, or what? How do you feel about these lazy Americans? They make me want to be lazy, almost. No, they shouldn't. You should laugh at them and say you're a lazy person who's. No, because somewhere, all right, uh, there used to be a, a little poster thing, it was, and it said the true believer, and it said somewhere somebody is living off of a cup of rice a day, a gallon of water, and is training and believing, and when he meets you, he's going to kill you, because he's been training and preparing while you've been playing video games and relaxing and not worried about anything. This, it's almost um, the bad part about being born in America is that we are so lucky that it is safer than so many other places that when we get into, you know, now say you live in New York or you grew up in L.A., then, yeah, you, you know what it's like to grow up in some places. But the rest of us, like, growing up by the beach in a farming community, I'm like, what? People kill each other for tennis shoes? No way. Like, you you just don't know what's out there. So 
Don't compare yourself to those lazy, worthless people who never make shit out of their lives. Look at people who are doing stuff. Um, Tesla, uh, Elon Musk, like just people that do stuff. Mother Teresa, you know, uh, Stu Gardner, uh, Alan Phillips, people who did something with their lives and are doing something and look and go, those are the people that I want to emulate. Those are the people I want to compare myself to. And don't you don't compare yourself to anybody in that like, well, I'm better than them or they're better than me. Just say they're a human being. And if that person could run a marathon, climb Mount Everest, swim 4,000 meters, blah, blah, blah. If they have the DNA to do it, then I have the DNA to do it. And that's where the competition is, is that their A game brings your A game. And we all keep working to be better versus, oh, they're so much better than me. I'll never be that. You know? And, and don't ever think you're better than anybody else, right? Because we're not. We're all, like I said earlier, I don't want anyone judging me off of the shit that I've done throughout my life. Like, oh, you know? But that's okay because we're not the one fuck-up that we did. We're not the, the something wrong that we did. We are us, you know? And it's the, am I trying to be a better person every day? Am I doing the best I can? Yes. Okay. That That is a person. And uh, Jason always tells this story. It's a really good story from Chief Sanchez. And he's like, how many chances are you going to give a good airman? As many as it takes, right? Because how many times has somebody been, and I've, I've told this story. I, I try to tell the same story, but they're just so good. Um, airman, senior airman was going to shit. All his EPRs were crap. Nobody liked him. They're trying to ride him out. The one guy asked the one question like, hey, well, why is he unhappy? What happened? His mom killed him herself in front of him, right? And nobody talked to him. Nobody tried to help him. No one sent him to mental health. Nobody, they just, because what do you say when somebody's mom's killed themselves? Nothing. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you know what to say. But I guarantee you going to talk to that person saying, I don't know what to say, but I am here for you. That's all you have to say because nobody knows what to say. Right? You're not expected to know what to say because it's not, oh, yeah, let me just, yeah, this happens all the time. Right? This is like, in, or somebody's child dies or something. Just let them know you're there. Maybe show up with a casserole, whatever. Uh, call them once a day. But just letting someone know you're there is 99% of the problem because people just need, all right, I'm not alone. Right? They don't know what to say either. Will you just sit with me and can we just breathe? And and I'm, I'm here with you. So don't judge other people. Don't judge yourself. You know, be kind to yourself. Be nice to other people. Do your best. It's, it's just constantly OODA looping your entire day. Where am I at? What can I do? Can I do it better? Right, and by you oodalooping your ass off, one day you'll be, you know, what you want to be, and you'll do what you want to do, and you'll, you know, you'll do something instead of being somebody. I realize I said that bad. I, I don't want to be lazy like that, but I, I'm cocky. I, I get cocky. And I don't show it, but like I feel it. And I feel better than them, and I think that's my problem. So that. 
I just have to work on who I compare myself to. I have to compare myself to like Mother Teresa and you know those guys rather than the average American. So the average American is a piece of shit. Like sadly, it's it's a true. But they have the poten- every person on this planet has the potential to be an Einstein, to be Mickey Mouse, to be whatever. Like anybody could do something. They just have to want to do it. And Gavin, I, I get that. I get asked this a lot. You know, I just want to be normal. How can I be normal? But there's no such thing as normal, and there's no such thing as average. And I think in our society, you know, we're, you know, with what we get through the media, it's just, you know, feel normal again. You know, take these meds, eat this food, blah, blah, blah. But there, there is no normal because we're all so different. We come from different backgrounds, and we're going through different things. And so... I hear what you're saying about comparing yourself, right, to others in a way to boost your ego. But your ego is what's going to get in your way and trip you up. So when you just start noticing, and it sounds like you already are, how often you're doing that and what it's, what it's doing for you internally. So when I compare myself to so-and-so, this is what it makes me feel like. And then we can talk again, you know, some other point about, about why that is and then how to overcome that because we're just walking around making assumptions about people when we're comparing ourselves to them. You know, we assume they're this or we assume they're that, but that's all they are is assumptions and not based on any kind of truth and fact. So once we work through that, then you can use that energy for yourself and working to improve things that, are, that really matter and they're going to get you to where you want to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, awesome. Go, Christian. I wanted to mention that being part of this book club, being part of the SOCOM athlete chat has put me around better people. Let me, let me <laughs> do a little quote there. Uh, that you can hold yourself to a higher standard when you're around higher standard people. It's good to be around like-minded people that also want to do this career field because those people that you're comparing yourself to the average person they don't want anything to do with that. They see buds in the, the two, three, four a class and kind of like, why the heck are people doing this? I mean, I don't understand that. I watch that, I'm like, that looks fun. Like, I realize I'm not normal or average through my mindset. But I realize that I have to be around people that are like that to hold myself to a higher standard. So I got two things. One... Find as many friends as you can. Like, gay, straight, black, white, whatever. Make as many friends with as many different kinds of different people as you can so that way you understand what other people are thinking, seeing, saying, going through um, other than you. Because everybody's got a different experience. Um, And that will help you kind of maintain a normalcy because while... We're all kind of this. We're all kind of that. We all have this. We all have that. Like the 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 traits are there. Uh, and I've said this before. Like every PJ has a completely different reason why he's a PJ, and yet they're similar. But they're all completely totally different. So every but we're all completely totally different. So everybody's got you know what's going on. And then uh, what Christian brought up. <clears throat> So when I go speak to places, I go speak to ALS sometimes, and I'm like, who would die for the person next to them? And people will look and go like, I don't want it. I'm like, this, this is someone you work with. This is an, an airman. This is, I wouldn't die for this person. 
And it's, but that to me is the average person isn't willing to die for. And I'm not saying I want to die. I'm not saying you have to die. I'm just saying that like you have to be willing in life to die to complete your mission or to, to help your children or help somebody else just because that means that you care versus, you know, no, 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 it's all about me. I don't care about anybody else. You're, you're never, and that's why it's almost good for people to have kids because having kids teaches you to not, hopefully it teaches you to not be selfish. A lot of people obviously are, but it uh, helps a lot of people finally go, whoa, shoot, I got to worry about somebody else besides me. And then they got to, you know, step their game up. So, um, hang out with everybody and, and if you care about people, more people who care will find you and you'll attract the kind of people that you need to. And, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. What do you got, uh, Connor? Howdy. My name's Connor. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. Um, I'm not really sure. I assume you guys all have the same book and you're reading it and reviewing <laughs> it kind of at the same time. Uh, I've read a book of my own that I've been reading. I've only read kind of the first two chapters, but this book is called Forensic Scorology by Ty Cunningham. And he is a, like, he's part of the tactical tracking unit for the Montana and Alaska state troopers. And this book is basically his college thesis where he states he conducted the first real study to put a science into the art of tracking. And basically what you do is you look at the sign, the spore that uh, a subject will leave behind, and you can extrapolate things such as their emotional state and their kind of, their behavior. You can kind of predict it after a while. Like, if, if a subject is experiencing a change in their psychological state, that will result in a change in the prints that they leave behind. So, there are different ways to classify it, like the spacing between the prints, how deep the prints are, how frequently they rest. So there are a whole bunch of variables that once you once you comprehend, you can then begin to look for. And this book is pretty pretty amazing. I've only read like the first chapter, like the first section of it, but I recommend it. It's eleven bucks on Amazon and it's pretty cool. So whether you're tracking somebody or you're tracking somebody because you're paying attention to them and the, what they're saying or what they're doing or how they're leaning or how they're, you know, all that stuff is just paying attention. I, I encourage everybody to people watch and you will see some of the most, you know, like you can tell like, oh, that couple's angry or they're, they're blah, 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 like all kinds of stuff just by watching people. And you're not judging them, you know, because there's nothing you can, like, you don't know them, but I'm just saying watch them and see what you notice, you know, but then also look at yourself, be able to come out of yourself and look at yourself and be like, is this a good thing? Like, what am I doing? And that will help you, you know, kind of understand people better too. And yourself. I can confirm because I work at the Home Depot and um, I can't just friend, but I can always approach someone and tell, like, 
I can ask them if they need help finding anything, and I can always isolate people who really are looking for something. I can't describe it. I can't tell you what they're doing, and it's different for every person, but, like, it, the more you watch people, the more you will get a feel for it. And, like, we're using... It's, it's, it's our brain, but it's also our gut. And arguably our gut is much older than our brain, so there are a lot of powerful... I guess, internal tools that we have that we still don't really understand and we might not even know they exist, but they play a role in our perception of reality. Yep. Listen to your intuition. What else you got? Any other questions or comments or sharing or... Uh, What he said about, um, I guess, average people... And it can weigh on you. I think just hone your ability is always trying to improve yourself. And then, like, you, once you click with some real G's, then um, you can get down to business and everything's everything's cool. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shakid, what you got? Shakid. You're on mute. <laughs> he might be at work. Um, <laughs> what? So, are you guys reading any books or? Uh, well, yeah, actually, I'm reading. Uh, it's not. It's, uh, it's more like a, like a history, but with a, a few a few elements of, of fiction in it. Okay. But it's still really good. It's, it's about the story of how. Uh, it's called, the book is called, uh, it's in Spanish, the book is called The Emperor's Assassin, and it's by Santiago Posteguillo, and it's about how this one man named Trajan, how he became Rome's first Hispanic, uh, um, not, not emperor, but, but, well, yeah, yeah, emperor, uh, when back in the day, that was completely unheard of, like, uh, Rome was very... Uh, very politically driven. Uh, you had to be of this nobility, and and you had to be, you know, from Rome, and, and all this political ins- uh, things going on around around it. But things got so bad. There were so many emperors and uprisings and killings and and, and backstabbings and everything. And and Rome itself got so bad that this one man, throughout all his actions, he was in the military. He, you know, he he led wars when. When he was uh, serving his leadership, when they were like giving up and they were like, "No, uh, this isn't gonna work. We're gonna lose," you know, he stepped up. He kept going. He said, "No, let's do this." He he thought outside the box, and you know, he won the the admiration of his peers, of his leadership, of other countries. And in the end, that that all uh, came together, and they all voted like to to put him in charge of Rome. And it's it's it really it really is a fantastic book. It's a really really interesting uh, interesting book to to read. All right. <laughs> Do they have an English or is it only in Spanish? I think it's only in Spanish. I think right. I, I look for it in English, but I I uh, I but if there is, uh, I'll send you guys a link. So you All can right. Read Thank it. you. <laughs> Sounds like a good book. Yeah. Um, I've been re- I'm like in the middle of a few different books, and I just kind of pick whichever one I feel like reading that day. I like that. Um, All right. So I'm reading. Um, I think it's called Big Answers, to, or no, Little Answers, Simple Answers to the Big Questions. I 
can't remember what the okay. word they used to describe the answers is, but uh, it's uh, kind of a summary of, um, I can't even remember his name right now. You all know him. Physicist. He had ALS. Or, oh, um... Or was it ALS? Oh, the... I know. Uh, Hawkins. Hawkins. Hawkins, oh. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Stephen. yeah. Stephen Hawkins. Stephen Hawkins. Hawkins. Yeah, so it's about his life and some of the things that... are some of the notable times throughout his life and another... It's his friend kind of talking about him. Nice. Uh, and his family and, and things they worked on. I'm not super far in it. Um, but uh, then I'm also reading... Uh, Muslims in Latin America. It's a textbook. Um, I'm like 100 pages into that. It's kind of historical. And then I'm reading The Cipher Code, which is about ciphertext, which is really dry, <laughs> but interesting. Right. Uh, and then I'm reading Harry Potter again, but that's just to relax. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice variety. <laughs> I like yeah. it. <laughs> it's always good to have some fun book that you can just kind of, maybe some trashy love novel or something, just something... <laughs> That gets you out of like, oh, you know, because yeah. a lot of these books that we read and cover or the, the topics are very hard. And so you, you don't want to like burn yourself out on reading. And I like that you switch. I, just, I read eight books about the same time <laughs> and I just keep bouncing through books and it it keeps them interesting. And I find that they tie uh, the books all together and will answer other questions. They really do, actually. I've always felt that way. Yeah. It's fun when I'm not taking any classes right now other than ALS, but it's fun when I'm reading out of one book and then, mm-hmm. or like doing one class and then it comes up in a completely different major or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? And you talk about it to your professor and you're like, oh, I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if anyone gets a chance, check out the uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, documentary. We were watching it last night. I really like it. I always liked her. But. Is it on Netflix? I think it was on HBO. Um, so, by final words, comments, concerns, questions, trend. Yes, Christian. I feel it's like Hollywood Squares. <laughs> In the corner, Christian with the save. What do you got? Oh, it used to be a game show. What was that? Hollywood Squares used to be a game show of tic tac toe, and they had celebrities, and you'd go, I'm going with. Mr. T in the right-hand corner, and then you'd have to answer a question, and depending on how it went, ta-da. Yeah, I don't watch video game shows. <laughs> <laughs> you were never sick home from school on a weekday. <laughs> the price is right. The price is right, exactly. You say ta-da just like... Which is thank you in Hebrew. I keep thinking you're saying. Oh, thank you. oh look at that. Now I know I say thank you in Hebrew. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm sorry, Christian. Yeah, I know you got to have a good time over there. I'm sitting here on the floor of my bedroom. Aww. Such a sad boy. <laughs> the violin out, play a sad song. So, Jason mentioned a swim instructor that would come on the Saturdays during an injock. And he was laughing really hard when he mentioned that. What does that mean? He said the guy was really weird. Uh, he's talking about a guy that they used to have named Coach. He didn't come on the weekends. He came Monday through Friday. That orb. Orb. He he was in the like 1972 decathlon for the Olympics. Wow. So 
He's very smart. He was, he was um smart swim coach. Um, he he was kind of an odd guy, but I think we're all kind of odd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Jason just broke down laughing. He's like, "I'll have to tell you another time." Oh, I mentioned the guy. I was just like, "What?" <laughs> I don't remember anything that bad, but um, maybe he does. Maybe he was laughing at the cartoons. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, so anything else? I, well, I guess Audrey showed up at the last minute. Audrey! Hi, everybody! How are you? I'm doing good. I just got off work. Oh, how's that? Hey, Audrey. Hello, hello. Nice photo. I have no idea what picture's up there. Oh, goodness. Um, you're doing something smart, writing something down. <laughs> oh, that's from college. <laughs> that was like at 2 o'clock in the morning. Those were interesting days. <laughs> so tell, tell us about your book or whatever you want to talk about or questions. Um, let's see. My book. Uh, is it the... Is it the new book I'm reading, or is it a book I recommend? Um, whatever you whatever you want it to be. Oh, okay. Um, so in our little break of reading a book, I decided to do some more self-healing and becoming a better person by recognizing things that were emotionally affecting me. And I decided to read a book that was recommended to me by one of my uncles. Um and it's called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. How to Heal from Distant, Rejecting, or Self-Involved Parents. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. Growing up, I thought I had a great childhood. You know, both parents showed love, affection, care, etc. And after reading, like, the first few pages of this book, I'm realizing that there's a difference between showing physical care for somebody versus emotional care and the psychology behind it is what's a little baffling to me because a person can show uh can make sure that somebody eats hydrates um, doesn't injure themselves doesn't harm other people etc make sure that they are provided for in a physical materialistic sense but the same reciprocating effect needs to occur emotionally as well and this book goes into how those small differences of lack of emotional support affects an adult from childhood so it's been really um i'm basically finding weaknesses in myself emotionally to help better prepare me for when i enlist so that they don't arise at different moments uh in most likely it would be the worst moment it could possibly happen. And so just trying to tackle those things that are kind of lying underneath, um, things that I try to bottle up or just disassociate from, don't even worry about anymore. And rather than let it come up later in life, I'm trying to tackle it now. That's the best answer reason I've ever heard. Because <laughs> if you take care of it now... Later on, you're good. So that's what everybody should be doing. Like every day, working on something. 
answering those tough questions and, you know, looking in the mirror like, oh. Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents by Lindsay C. Gibson. She's actually Debbie Gibson's uh, older sister. She's a very nice lady. I just made that up. I just... The only person who knows Debbie Gibson would be Shanda. The rest of you are like, who's Debbie Gibson? <laughs> Old people. Old people, exactly. <laughs> oh. Um, I love that shirt though, Audrey. Gotta represent. It's the best shirt ever. Yeah, I think Chase designed it when he was going through, what was it? I think he was going through Sear or one, no, he was going through one of the schools um, and to help raise money for his class, he designed a lot of different t-shirts and stickers, drawings, and ended up selling them to people, friends, family, supporters, anything like that, so that their class could have a, a specific graduation. Nice. It's a pretty amazing design. I get a lot of comments from it. People ask me about it. I'm just like, oh, I gotta explain this. <laughs> it's Charlie. It's the it's original yeah. Charlie, but revamped into modern day. Charlie the PJ. It's a great little cartoon. So, anybody else? Anything? Uh, I wanted to ask Christian. All right. Uh, real quick. Uh, so, so you're talking about like uh, you said people were doing 2021 pull-ups. There were some guys that did 25 pull-ups. I think there was two in total. 